Welcome back to Don't Call It A Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. Right. Take two here. Um, we are continuing with Black Prism. We have read up to chapter 67. Stopped there. Uh, let's do let's do quick a couple comments that we got. Um, one from Baba Taziah talking about uh, our our critique of the the people drafting in spite of it like killing them earlier. Baba Taziah brings up that like teenagers and young adults today do that do things like that uh, a lot of a lot of risky behavior, uh, including like not wearing masks and that kind of thing. I think that that's a very good point. I will say the the only like difference between these that I would that I would put out there is that the drafting thing is like certain, right? You have a certain amount of drafting that you can do before you like go crazy or whatever it is. Whereas in our world the the youths that are that are doing these risky behaviors it's more like not certainly that this is going to come back to haunt you it's more like there's a chance that this could be bad and it's usually a pretty low chance but so so okay the example being masks like you're if you don't wear a mask let's say or if you don't socially distance you have a small chance of it, of getting the virus, but it's like a bad thing if you do, right? Whereas, uh, whereas in the Cremaria, you're if you draft a little bit, do a little prank, you like are definitely cutting down on your lifespan a little bit, but it's like not that big of a deal, I guess. Right, unless especially if the prank is a small thing, right? Like if you are drafting like a blue bucket of water over the door for when your roommate comes in, you know, it's probably not going to cut down on your total drafting that much. And so like, yeah, you can take a little bit, you can take a hit there so that then it actually seems like people nowadays are crazier though. Right. Yeah. Doesn't it seem like the people in this world are less crazy for pulling pranks than the people in our world for taking these risks that could end up so bad. Like just a little abysmal. <laughs> a little bit. I think it's I think it speaks to human nature though. Where like you're gonna you can take much higher risks because it's like a risk that you kind of just don't believe that you're gonna get, you know? I don't know. Definitely no no, okay. I think that's okay. true. Point- Point being, Baba Tazaya, very valid point. Uh, I think that I think that there's like, well, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a disconnect between between these two things. But there's definitely uh, a generation of of drafters that are over the age of thirty that are like, oh, you young kids need to slow down, be careful, and the young kids are like, we're invincible. Right. Yeah. Very much. Very much so. Something else that Babatazia, I don't, neither of us know how to pronounce this name, so we're going to both pretend like we do, but Babatazia mentioned was wanting to hear about our our thoughts as we hear more about Gavin and Dazen. And I think that's actually where I want to start. 
today. I want to start there because we hear we hear pretty early on that they they both murdered a couple of towns. And last episode, we were trying to figure out who is the bad one. Oh, they could both be the bad one, right? Yes. Okay. The the question here is, are we like picking one that we like more? Or are we like judging the the merits of each one separately from each other? Because you're right. They're definitely, neither of them are like great. I think they both might be the bad brother. And we were wrong to even hope that one of them could be the good one and the other one was the bad one. The the good brother was the one that got killed by the color white. Right? <laughs> the third brother? You're... Just a saint. The greatest kid of all time. Like, this kid would give you the pink starburst out of his pack. Ooh. All of them. He would give you all of them. Wow. That's a good kid. A great kid. One of the too, best. Too pure for this world. And we see, we saw what happened to him. You can't, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm starting to get worried that they're both the bad brother. And that we want both of them to get in this prison. I, I think that that's true. This, the stories that we hear about this war are not great. It doesn't sound like a great experience for anyone. Yeah, it sounds like there were zero winners out of this whole whole thing. Maybe Gavin, kind of, because now he gets to make cool jet skis and ride around. Right. We should repeat our our little note from the last episode. We when we say Gavin, we're talking about the the character that we see the most of in this. That we've read the most of. Yeah, Dazen is uh, down in the blue prison. Gavin is out yeah. running around. That's how we're going to refer to just, them. I know they're just switcheroo, but that's what we're talking. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the question is, do we, do, we, do we put all of our weight into what they did during this time period? Or do we factor in, he's a changed man, maybe? Yeah, but he changed into his brother. <laughs> so wouldn't that mean that his brother's the good one? Yeah, but I mean, like, not... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's it's tricky. It's tough. I think we're still waiting to see what the, what the hell Dazen is even like, aside from angry that he's in prison. Mm-hmm. So I think we still need to hold off judgment for who they are now. For who the good brother is because we still right. don't know what the brother that is in prison is like right i will say okay so it seems like actually during this war a lot of the atrocities atrocities no i like atrocities okay. a, lot, a lot of the atrocities were committed by like generals maybe that aren't under the direct like the the thing the bad things that happened were not necessarily exactly what gavin or dazen uh ordered but they fall under the umbrella of their actions so like you kind of have to attribute it to them luke they've got to have responsibility at some point you got to take responsibility um 
the, I will say, Gavin, who we're calling Gavin, is friends with Corvan Danavis or however, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. who seems like a great guy. So I'm going to say Point Gavin. <laughs> okay. I actually really like this because I think the general is great and I would for sure give him a point. He seems like a good judge of character. He seems pretty kind. So I would potentially give a point to Gavin. I will say, though, we don't really know what this general is really about. Like, he didn't employ Kip. We talked about this last episode, so we're not going to harp on it. Kip was starving. I, oh, I, actually, I actually have a... I think that we owe him an apology. Because Kip in this section mentions that even though Danavis didn't have, like, work for him, he would, all, he would occasionally give him little jobs that Kip knew didn't need to be done by him. So I think that there's a little bit more... A little bit more of a kindness being done to Kip than than we might have given him credit for. I think you're right, but I think it's also like you're eating dinner and you realize that there's a hungry dog outside your window and you take the crust off your little sandwiches and the little scraps of your plate and you're like, oh, I'll give him something. When you have like a whole nother pot of stew in there that you could give. Because he didn't give him a job. He just gave him... he. He hired him out as a contract worker. He didn't employ him to get him like any benefits. He doesn't have a pension plan because he's a contract worker. And so he can just fire him or hire him whenever he wants. That's that's true. He probably had him working like 19 hours a week instead of 20 so that he could get away with not providing benefits. That's fair. Um, And we see how kind of like weaselly gavin's side was in this war gavin who was former Dazen, their side was in the war they were very much like promising stuff to people that they didn't think they could follow through with and he essentially like defaulted on all of his loans to all of these people when he was like i'm gonna be gavin now that's true i love it he's like we can default on some of them but not all of them and then, and then he was like, wait a minute. We can default on all of them. I've got it. <laughs> I've got it. It was, it was genius. Uh, it's this thing yeah, called bankruptcy. Still, I, still, I still don't think that we have enough to take a side yet. I think that we have enough to say neither of them are great. I think that's true. And I think we still have to keep in mind the like, the moment when Gavin essentially like put a plastic bag over Kip's head in order to shut him up. That's not a good look. It's not. That's true. To, yeah. We're not there yet. We're not, we're not ready to, uh, to make a judgment yet. One thing that I will say is we, we, have a, we had a little called shot. Actually, we had... Yeah, okay. We had a little called shot. It's very obvious, but I'm going to congratulate us on it. And that is Gavin, who used to be Dazen, is a good-looking guy. Who Did we call this shot? We talked about it last episode. Um, but Gavin's, Gavin's a smoke show. <laughs> 
This is true. He is definitely a beefcake. 100%. And I think he knows how to use it. He knows how to <laughs> he knows how to flaunt knows how to flaunt the muscles. I I do also think we might have been too harsh on his fashion choice last episode because apparently he's been imitating Gavin, right? He's been imitating Gavin and apparently Gavin was like all up on the latest fashion trends. And so I'm sure people would notice if they were like Mm, actually you know streetwear is a combination of like urban style and like 90s grunge and he's doing a lot more like 90s punk and early 2000s hip-hop so that's not really streetwear but it sounds like he's crushing it it sounds like he's got the fashion thing kind of locked down it it does he's had to put a lot more effort into it so yeah so what we're learning here is not that he was just like throwing on a bunch of chaotic outfits he had he had put the work in right figuring out figuring out what looks good or at least marissa good maybe marissa had put the work in maybe yeah could could be um i think that's i think that's a good point we'll give him we'll give him credits for style because um, we were unfair. One person who has great style that I that I love a little a little side character here is Liv's friend, uh, and I love this delightful little scene where Liv is describing her, and she's like she always has these crazy things, these homemade dresses, and I think she looks great. That was just such a delightful moment. I forget Liv's friend's name, but but good for you. You go. Well, and apparently it's like objectively she looks great because Gavin is also like, hey, sick dress, dude. That's incredible. <laughs> Did you go to like the Goodwill and like pick out some cool fabrics and, and kind of make yourself something unique and special? Because that is incredible. I love that. I love that moment a lot, actually. And it's just a, it's just a little feel good moment. It makes me sad that. Gavin and Dazen had to pull that prank with the Luxin-based clothing because there are so... It seems like there's now so many missed opportunities for, like, incredible fashion. Like, Liv's friend could have been, like, just, like, glittered out, like, completely radiant with Luxin all over, but it just, like, kind of went really out of style. And so there's no way Liv's friend can bring it back on her own. Right. Yeah, that's that's a bad that's a bad look. Th- okay, I this is a note that I also have that I had at the end, but I'll bring up now. And I think it's a good thing to bring up in our good guy, bad guy debate. I think that this prank is wildly unacceptable. You can <laughs> Gavin's over here like doing a little smile off in the side, lost in thoughts with a little sparkle in his eye based because of this funny prank that he did. No, man, you like ruined this woman's life. And the prank, just so we can be clear, the prank is that there used to be a lot of Luxin based clothing, but, and I think it is also unclear if it was just Gavin or if it was Gavin and Dazen that did this, but they essentially dissolved all of the Luxin-based clothing that 
I thought it was multiple people were wearing in this party. Mm. And so I also agree, though. It's like you can't. This is not a fond memory of you, like, taking the piss out of a noble person. Like, clearly women in this society have, like, you know, a secondary place to the, like, high nobility, like, the men who are running things. So when you basically, like, completely unravel one of them in public... It's like a huge blow to them and their families. Well, it's also like, Gavin, this wasn't a prank. This was, this was sexual assault that you did. This was non-con- non-consensual streaking that you had someone participate in. Now, now, here's, here's, a, here's a counterpoint, Luke. Liv does this exact same thing to a boy right where Liv like gets him to take all his clothes off and then runs over and throws him in the punch bowl granted it's a slightly different situation because the guy is kind of asking for something to happen to him that's not great and there's kind of some justice here but I don't think that the women who got their clothes disappeared were probably asking for it from two of the most wealthy influential and powerful young young nobles in the realm like i doubt they really were in a position of power over gavin and dazen and were using that to hurt them exactly lives was uh was bad it was like it's like a two wrongs don't make a right kind of thing you know but but uh gavin's one was just cruel like i i point is don't remember this fondly that was very irresponsible and you are another point against you another point against gavin and potentially both of them because we don't know potentially both of them i don't want to say who did it because it sounded like it was kind of both of them involved but yeah maybe not maybe not great a point it seems like a point for the younger brother because it sounds like he wasn't involved so Oh yeah, our, our our superstar, who was killed by the white, uh, yeah, big fans of him. I wanna I wanna bring up this moment where Gavin is talking about all of the efforts that he's had to go through to make sure that the like the his bodyguards don't control him. Mm-hmm. And I had a bit of a. This reminded me of something in our current society. Mm, Okay. And um, (laughs) this is going to get, this is going to get political. Uh, (laughs) This kind of reminded me of a certain leader who tweets all the time. In every like four months, we get a story about how whoever's, someone just came in and is going to control the tweeting. This kind of reminds me of this, where it's it's just like helpless. The guy's gonna do what he's gonna do, and uh, I people I know it's bad. Mo- people know that he should stop, but they just can't do anything about it. But they say that they're right. going to, and that gives them the credibility. It's like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. this is gonna be the time. 
this person's going to be able to do it. And nobody can do it. Nobody can do it. Nobody nobody can control Gavin. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that's that's my that's my uh, current events little little segue in. It does, and I will say too, it sounds like they have stopped claiming they're going to be able to control Gavin. Just like we haven't heard anybody claim that they're going to control the tweets in a long time. So, I think in both universes, we've we've kind of resigned ourselves to our reality and we've accepted it. Yeah, and which is and tough. We, yeah, it's actually really tough. Uh, kind of, yeah, kind of tough. Um, but you know what? What isn't tough and is in fact just like adorable. Dazen's little hair sweater that he's working on. <laughs> it it is adorable. Uh, it's kind do, of the cutest thing the... of all time. Okay. He's like, ooh, I get a little cold down here in this blue prison. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to treat myself and I'm going to make a cute little hair sweater. Is, is this what it is? Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll say maybe uh, because he does talk about how he's like not able to retain enough body heat when he's in there. He does in a later chapter, like near the end of our, of this section, it's, it's said that he's got a bowl. He's created some kind of bowl out of it. Which I will also say, kind of a called shot. I mean, he didn't go with our suggestions, but he is making one of these little bowls out of his own his own funk that he's working on. Uh, but he's. It sounds like he's making a bowl. I don't think that precludes him from making an entire set, from making an entire outfit set. Okay, so what? Uh, um... So we okay. First off, we don't actually know what he's making yet. Is that right? Uh, well, he has like a bowl in this last section, okay. and he's like filling it with the oil. Like he's he's putting the oils into the bowl to like make it. Do, like, is the bowl the is is the hair the bowl? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because it's described okay. as like he's made a little head cap, but he's like filling it with. He's like using the oils to make it as tight as possible. Because I think okay. he's trying to make it watertight. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, if that uh, if that's the case, we're we're heading towards a called shot from Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you had some I thought some better ideas, but some more immediate, say? immediately applicable suggestions, I'd say. Uh, right, I would. But I would agree. I think there's a possibility that he's also maybe he practices his cool knitting technique by making himself a nice little sweater. Maybe he makes Gavin a matching one, like with a G and a D on the on the front so he can give it to him next time mm-hmm. he shows up. Mm-hmm. Maybe Christmas that's gift. his maybe that's his master plan actually. Oh, to like win like, over his brother. Yeah, and then when he's like, "Hey, I made you this sweater as like a sorry, you know, no hard feelings. Here, take it, but you're going to have to come in to get it because uh, you know there's a barrier between us and then you know he's gonna Both figurative and literal <laughs> exactly and this sweater is gonna bridge that gap between them and then allow days to just like hop on the elevator and get out of here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think that that's true a little a little gift giving ceremony um 
a nice plan, I think. I think it will work. I'm here for it. Right, yeah. And I'm impressed, and I'm impressed with his abilities. Especially given the fact that it sounds like he has no prior knitting experience. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much time you got. If you didn't have some old person in your life teaching you how to do this at some point, you're never getting anything that looks reasonable. So right, I mean, you got to learn all the tips on your own. That's tough. Yeah. Props to Dazen. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want to do... Okay, so I, I feel like we have to talk about a little, a little light theory here. Ooh, okay. Wait, by, when you by say that, li- I mean, yeah, I mean, how light works. <laughs> not a, not a, not a casual small theory. theory that I've developed. I, okay, so we, we've, we've heard about the glasses, right? The glasses, like, I guess, filter out light, right? Like they're filtering out all the light except for whatever light that you need it to be. Yes. Does that mean that the other light like interferes with you when you're trying to use it? Do you know what I mean? Interesting. Because you're saying why not just use white light and pull out the color that you need? Right. Because you're not, these glasses aren't converting the other light into one light is just filtering out all of the other light right and it seems like you like genuinely cannot use use white light unless you have these lenses or are the prism or are the prism right this is yes yes so i think i think it has to do with something they mentioned early on when we found out that Kip was a super chromat, where you have to be able to see the color to draft it. And so that was why super chromats are more successful than other like normal uh, people is because they could see all the different colors so they can draft a bunch of different like shades. Okay. And so I think, I don't know if it's necessarily that the other light interferes with your drafting, but I think you just like... it. it it gets into a weird question about like what even is light because it's really, you know, when we see white light, the green's in there, but it's just our brain right. interprets that light as white. Okay. So like, so that, and this, okay. I, th- I think that I, I like what you're saying that they have to be able to see it, but that also implies that they have to be able to like perceive that they're seeing it. You know what I mean? Cause like you are seeing green light if you're seeing white light do you think do you think people just haven't tried hard enough (laughs) because we also get this idea that like you just have to believe right and if you believe you can do it you can do it i think so i think that this the the lens thing is just being like oh yeah see you can see green but you could see it the whole time right the light was with the light was within you the whole time The, the light was in your heart the whole time exactly Mm -hmm. um maybe maybe that's what being the prison is you've just realized the secret you just you just have a really strong willpower could be or like or like really good you can give yourself a little paradigm shift right that's all you need to be the prism to be the prism you have just fully understood wave particle duality and the the perfect nature of light 
and mm-hmm. you you know about it on the fundamental mathematical level so you can trick your brain into just being able to use it right you have to just convince your brain that like no 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 all those wavelengths are there so i can get green out and i know this because of the math whereas everybody else who hasn't really studied it you know they've just studied like oh you know red and green are contrasting colors or complementary colors that's like the gist of where they got they don't have the fundamentals to know like right there is red the, in there the the prisms have taken high level physics courses right that's all it takes to actually become the prism it's it seemed like it's this very sacred thing and this important process and maybe there's only a few every so often but it's actually just people who decide to spend the time studying high level physics and everybody else is like yeah that's boring it's a lot of math i was never very good at math so i'll pass i i think that that's i think that that's it do you think there are glasses for super violet and sub red mm, ooh. i don't think there are no because that would mean no there can't be because that would mean you couldn't see anything <laughs> this is so true you know what i mean those would be blinders right i think we've kind of just stumbled upon something very important actually because in order to draft superviolet you just like constrict your pupils to where you can see mm-hmm. the superviolet and then you draft it Ooh, so okay hang on because let's i don't know where you're going with this but we get we get let's see what superviolet is constricting and subred uh, can we also talk about how it's freaking changed it from ultra to super and then infrared to subred yeah yeah okay. i mean, i, I kind of liked it to be honest okay. i like the little change i keep mixing mixing up which one i'm doing i think but um so subred is widening do you think that instead of okay no, yeah, okay we're, we're revising our prism theory the prisms just have great eye control and can like can like can change their pupil size much more effectively than others. I think we're going to mix them. We're combining the two. The prisms understand fundamentally that what gives you different colors of light is different wavelengths of light. And so they're able to constrict their pupils to just the right aperture size where you get constructive interference of the wavelength of light that you want and therefore you can draft that color Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's got to be it that's that's got to be it yeah because the others you they just have they just have the instinctive knowledge to do like one color and even then you need a little bit of help from some lenses Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay now i'm starting to be pretty impressed by these guys kind of cool actually pretty neat pretty neat speaking of of high level physics this like ivory block that determines what colors you can draft did you get any interesting comparisons to uh any kind of chemistry instrumentation with this luke wait 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 okay wait, so the, what, does, uh... so kip goes through the thresher and the point of the thresher is to make somebody afraid so that they can see what colors you're strong in and how they, this shows up 
is there's a block of ivory with two obsidian caps at the end and your light, the colors you can absorb slowly drain into it over time and they form different bands along the ivory based on the, and the thickness of the band gives you how effective you are in that color. Is there any analytical chemistry technique that this reminds you of, Luke? I'm thinking of like some little thin layer chromatography kind of thing. This is like some liquid chromatography that we're seeing here, and I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm into it too. I like, he explained how this worked, and I was like, that's chromatography. <laughs> it's incredible. I would love it if it wasn't like an actual band, if it was like a, a little peak with a certain retention time. <laughs> And they're like, oh, three minutes, blue, blue drafter. That's that's in the future, Luke. Right now, they're still at the phase of using little strips of paper and seeing how far okay. it goes along the paper. But, you know, 20 years from now, it's all going to be digital, baby. <laughs> who, is this, who is this whole section for? <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do want to talk about the Thresher test, though, mm -hmm. where this happens. The aesthetics of this test, I thought were incredible. Kip goes up to this door that's full of like shimmering colors and they touch it and it reacts like ripples go through it. And then the face of what I'm guessing the God that they all worship comes out at them and the door opens and there's like kind of a cult atmosphere in here where you've got people chanting and saying stuff about their aspects of light and getting nude and potentially having an orgy in some of these tests that's hinted at and then you go down in this box and just like crazy shit happens to you this sounds I, you forgot you forgot the little threat at the at, right before you go into the box someone always is like i think says whispers that they're like some enemy of your family and that you're going to die. Yeah, they're really they're really committed to the bet here. I think they absolutely crushed it. I love the Thresher as an exam and as a piece of dra dramatic art. Mm -hmm. I think it's incredible. I do wish at the end they like maintained it a little bit where they like didn't immediately like, "Oh, hey, good job." Like it's very frat-like with that because with all the frat stuff, the, all the like scary stuff that, they, that would happen at the end when you like did it, everybody would be like, yeah, we're cool now. Not like I'm speaking from experience or anything. Uh, but I just feel like it would be way more impactful if there wasn't that right away, you know? Okay, so what, what are you picturing happening? Uh, when you pull the rope, you just come up into an empty room that's like pitch black and there's just a voice that says, like, continue along your journey. And it echoes through the room. <laughs> okay. Maybe like, uh, maybe like it. Okay. Because the, the idea is when you pull the rope, you fail, right? Yes. Maybe some kind of little continuation on that. Where it, like, motivates you. It's like you failed now. Ooh. But maybe later, when you've grown a little bit. You'll succeed in some vague way. Yeah, a voice out of the darkness will say exactly what you just said. <laughs> word, word for word, it's very convincing. I don't think, I think that they're, they can workshop it a little bit, mm -hmm. right? They have shown themselves to be uh, 
able to to throw a good a good little illusion, good little play here. Take it a little farther, is what we're saying. Right, right. Maybe you say, okay, Kip, now you have to lead the test next time. And then you have to you have to stay in this room until somebody else comes along to do the threshing. And I'm out now. Since I was the one who beat you, I'm I get to leave. You you have to be the one to get naked and dance around. Can we can we yeah. talk about the amount of little like sexiness things going on in this book? We need to talk about this in two ways. The the ways in this book that bodies are described by Kip, I am not cool with. <laughs> I'm like, make me very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. The first being like, Kip is so down on himself for being fat. It's like, Kip is constantly like, I'm fat, so I might not fit in this little tube thing. Dang it. Or I'm, I'm so fat, so she couldn't throw me off the balcony. Granted, it's not like, he's not super down on himself about it, but it seems like he brings up the fact that he's fat a lot. Mm -hmm. Kip. Get a little self-confidence, my guy. I, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tough society out here. It seems like everyone is super buff and hot except for Kip. Which does seem pretty unfair. Mm -hmm. But also, Kip, that makes you special. Lean into it. The other thing about bodies, which you bring up as a great point, Kip is constantly talking about how sexy everyone is. And I can't stand it. <laughs> Kip needs to grow the fuck up. I'm sick of it. <laughs> Kip, okay. We mentioned, I mentioned last episode that Kip was simping super hard. In this section, I'm gonna read a passage because I, this was so confirmed in this section about Liv. I didn't have a lot of evidence last episode, but I was like, I think with Liv, he's kind of simping too. I'm going to read you a passage and you tell me how it makes you feel about Kip's relationship with Liv. <clears throat> so Kip is talking about Liv leaving Recton and going to the Cromeria. <clears throat> but though he was sure she hadn't thought of him since... He'd missed her. She had been like the sun passing overhead, and he'd turned his face as she passed, warmed by her presence, but never daring to hope for more. When Master Danavis had shared that Liv was having a hard time with some girl at the Cromeria, Kip had wanted to leave immediately and kill the offender, then come home. Dude! So I actually, immediately after reading that, I wrote this exact note. <laughs> Kip is sipping the, the so hard. Back. Kip is sipping. He wants to be the white knight. Uh, I Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough sometimes to read. Um, and the stuff where he's like, he's stumbling over his words because he's like, don't think about it, the le her legs with that short skirt. Don't think about her legs with that short skirt. And it's like, are there some other qualities of this young woman 
that you like that would also be kind of embarrassing to say that you really admired about about this person like i get that part of flirting is like hey i think your body is sexy but another part is like hey i think you're very clever or like hey i i like how nice you are to me and like which he's which he says and then regrets saying right right <laughs> it's just and okay I'll say two things about this. One, Kip is like pretty young. I think Kip is like kind of in the middle of puberty. So I do kind mm-hmm. of, I'm, we should give him some leeway here. Mm-hmm. Because like, he's still growing up. And two, his background is very bad. Like he, we mentioned this last episode. He doesn't have a great experience with his mom. And that's probably kind of hindered his development a little bit. So I'm still just, I'm excited for some character development from Kip. I'm excited for some, some confidence mm-hmm. and some like mature dialogue with a woman who is attractive. <laughs> one, one day we'll get it. I'm not sure. I don't feel confident to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we, we will see. Um... He's going to he's going to go meet well in theory going to go meet Karis. We'll see we'll see if we see a repeat there. I kind of think that we are. I mean, he's already but... setting himself up to do a repeat, right? He's going to save Karis, one of the most skilled drafters in the world that he knows of and he's like I got to go save that hot chick. <laughs> yeah. Guy it's it's a lot it's a lot kip i get you're the chosen one but can you be chosen for some dudes that's true save gavin from himself you know he needs saving he needs saving he needs yeah a little little personal growth now that he has a child that's what you're here for kip exactly exactly okay uh one other called shot that we had we're, we're, we're basking in it today. Uh, basking in the light. King Garadel, your boy. What? What? No. Not my boy. <laughs> your boy. His army is so organized. They're incredible. These guys are crushing it. Like every moment that Karis and Danavis are observing, they're like, these guys are absolutely phenomenal. I can't do anything. Right, they perfectly secure Karis to where there's no way she's going anywhere. They tricked her because they know she's an extremely valuable bargaining chip. And this other guy who's going with her, there's no chance. He has no chance of rescuing her. Brilliant move. On top of that, they've got like spies in Garriston. They've got recruiters in Garriston because they're about to go there. So they're just trying to turn the populace to their side anyway. This guy knows what he's doing. I don't know if I necessarily agree with his assessment on slaughtering the village as like a good thing. Um, Right. But on the other things, he seems to be doing great. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of Anakin, Anakin Skywalker vibes, murdering a bunch of kids at the Jedi Temple where he's like, 
you know, the Jedis are actually evil, and in the end, this is going to be for the best. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but you did, you did slice and dice a lot of kids for that. That's true. So I, I feel like it's not quite, it's not quite ends justifying means more like you really wanted to dice up some some families you've got some things you got to work through my guy i i think that that's true i do think that the people in garriston should be should be rooting for him potentially hot take but (laughs) they are you saying because he, he runs a tight ship? I guess is the point that I'm trying to get across. <laughs> yeah, but like, and they have been suffering. I mean, fair, fair, but when he thinks that people aren't going to obey him, he makes a skull pyramid. So, like, it seems like you're just trading out one oppressor for another, and this other one might be worse. Right. Okay. But here's the question. Because, like, currently, like, their taxes are just being, are going to bailouts to billionaires, right? King Garrido comes in, maybe their taxes are coming to clear out their canal. Sure, they're still getting taxed at a high rate, but it's going to good things. I see what you're saying. Like, those taxes are becoming an investment in their community because the king actually lives there. Right. And so there's a little mutual benefit there, right? The king wants more revenue mm-hmm. going through and sustained revenue. And that will also help the people there. You know, rising waters lift all boats kind of situation. There's a vested a little, a little investment, A little investment rather than plunder. Ooh, exactly. Is, is what we're looking for in, in your boy, King Garadel. Oh, no. Are we? Ooh. I think it might be good for them. I think this is the okay, way to go. So are you saying, are you asking if we're team Garadel? I might be team Garadel. I think that I'm being swayed in that direction. Oh no. I mean, clearly we don't support the pyramid of skulls. We've already, we've talked about that a lot where we don't support the pyramid of skulls, but in terms of like a nation having autonomy, Seems like this king might have might have a point here. Mm-hmm. Oh no! <laughs> that's where that's where we are right now. I think let's let's. I I want. I'm curious if people agree with us. Send send us your thoughts. Comment on the uh, comment on the subreddit. Uh, where are you, where do you stand on this one? Are we team Garadel? And if not, give us a good reason why we're not. Aside from the Mm -hmm. skull pyramid. Forget the skull pyramid, right? If you're going (laughs) to make an omelet, you got to crack a few eggs, okay? (laughs) And also let bygones be bygones with with the skull pyramid. With the skull pyramid. (laughs) It was obviously a bad move. Nobody loved it. We're going to regret it in 10 years. But let's look at the bigger picture here. Yeah, let us know what you think about this. I'm worried that Luke and I are, are getting on the side of a fascist dictator, but hey. But uh, but we already like the 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 other the flip side of this coin is being like Team Gavin, who like killed 
I don't know, what did they say, 100,000 people in Garrison to begin with? That's true. We're, we're trying to decide between a nationalist fascist dictator and an imperialist colonizing government. Who a genocidal a genocidal imperialistic. yeah imperialistic colonizing government. Neither are good options. I'll say that. Uh, but yeah, leaning towards leaning towards the 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 first one. This is the one and hopefully only time Luke and I can say we might be leaning towards the fascist guy. <laughs> it's hard to say. It's terrible. It's really bad. Okay. We talked about this last episode, Luke. Can can Guile's dad please, please just blind himself and get this over with? I'm so done. I'm so done. Mm-hmm. Just put your eyes out. Pull an Oedipus. Maybe not everything that Oedipus had going on, but at the end, maybe do the last part and just put your eyes out and then you don't have to live in this room that's in pitch black all the time. You can go feel the sun on your face. You can go to these council meetings that apparently everybody's like, hey, where is that guile guy who is supposedly the red? Haven't seen him in a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Or just blindfold. Alternative. You don't even have to do the, the painful thing of putting your eyes out. Just get a cool little sleeping mask that you wear all the time. You, you could make it stylish. Probably. little Cyclops action from X-Men. This is the solution, Luke. We've got clear glasses if you're nearsighted or farsighted. We've got colored glasses if you want to draft a certain color. Have some completely blackout glasses mm-hmm. that you wear if you don't want to see any colors. Incredible. Stunner shades. Yeah, currently you've got like this guy coming in and reading you the news and feeding you constantly. That can't be nice. Where's your sense of independence, man? I think I think that you're I think that you're right here. It sounds terrible for him to just be like sitting in this room. I hope that his chair is really comfortable because he's been in there a while. It's got to smell awful by the way. Yeah, it doesn't smell great because you know you're missing the bowl a few times in the dark. How, how is he bathing also? You know what I mean? Because if if he's getting help bathing, no one can see anything. You're missing some spots. You're definitely missing some spots. Uh, maybe this is why no one comes to visit him. I, assu- I assume so. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough situation. I want an explanation for why people aren't blinding themselves, though. I, if we don't get that, I'm going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. I need to know why, when you're getting close to busting your halo, you can't just can't just call it quits with the whole eye thing. Just take those guys out. <laughs> Throw them in a jar. Luke, so we haven't yet come upon a theory in these books. But I've been starting to develop one because we've had some people say that they're working under Dazen and that they're all this rebellion and there's like this weird, there's this, there's subplot going on where there's a rebellion of the light and it seems that Dazen, people have said it's Dazen that's leading it. And Gavin, who's actually Dazen, is like 
huh, I gotta make sure my brother's still in prison. And then he checks and he's like, yeah, my brother is definitely still in prison. So I guess they're just making it up. I have a theory that there is a little, a little fight club situation going on. And by the fight club situation that I mean is that the person who is Gavin is also going around pretending to be Dazen. I see what you mean. You don't mean a fight club. You mean the plot from fight. Club. I mean the plot from fight club. Yes. Yes. With Tyler Durden okay. and all that. But so I think Dazen and Gavin are both active in the world and doing things. And maybe the one who's playing at Gavin isn't aware of it. Okay. A little mental health thing. Welcome to my TED talk. First. <laughs> Gavin has developed a way of travel that is way faster than anything else people thought was possible. So it is extremely possible for him to be in a lot of places on the continent at once in a very short amount of time. Two, apparently there is this rebellion going on that seemed to be pretty well organized and seemed to be very like anti the current structure, the current government structure. And while the king, King Garadil, seems effective, I don't think he's this effective. It seems widespread that this rebellion is happening. Especially, too, because we see evidence of this rebellion coming to try and kill Kip. Because I highly doubt that the king hired that assassin all on his own to come to the Cromeria and try and kill Kip. That to me stinks of like something bigger. The other piece of evidence, Luke, is we've already got this weird personality split that's going on where somebody's trying to pretend to be somebody else. You know, Dazen's trying to pretend to be Gavin. What happened to Dazen when that happened? Dazen's gotta be in there somewhere. You can't fully, mm -hmm. there's no way you can fully repress that. Okay. My last piece of evidence is something that didn't quite strike me right. That was on their way to Garriston, they got attacked by pirates. Now, they got attacked by pirates while they're in what's basically a three-person sailboat that is clearly been drafted. So there's drafters on board. Why are pirates attacking them? Okay, pirates' That's motivations. A good point. Pirates' motivations: gold, something valuable on board, uh, or maybe you want to take some slaves to sell. So again, something valuable on board. But if you see just like a little boat out in the water, they definitely don't have that much valuable stuff on board for you to take. They're also extremely dangerous because they can draft. Sure, maybe if you capture them alive, they're worth a lot of money. But, like, they're also incredibly powerful and will probably be very difficult for you to catch. Why are these pirates after them? Unless somebody tipped them off where they were going to be. And, and, you, and you think that it was Gavin, Gavin's split personality. Gavin's split personality days in. Because Dazen sided with the Elantrians, who are the pirates, in the war. 
So he's trying to get okay. he's trying to get back to some of his allies. And while he's got a black guard with him, he can't just hop on board. That black guard's going to try and stop him. Okay. I think I'll give you points for creativity. Um, I'm in, I've actually, now that you're saying this, thought of a little a separate one. Okay. All right. So we, so we, we started this book thinking that Dazen was dead. He's not, right? Um, we hear that the third brother, who we've talked about a little bit on this episode, is dead, but I didn't see a body. Ooh, hold on, Luke. I think we've got a third prism here. Do you think he's masquerading as Dazen? I, uh, that's tough, because I don't know why he would necessarily. Well, Dazen already has allies. The same reason why Dazen went to be Gavin is because he wanted Gavin's allies. Yeah, I think, I think, I forget his name, like Sebastian or something Something like that. Something like that, yeah. I, th- I think he's out there. I think I think he's coming to play. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Nope. <laughs> nope. 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 I think we've got a little split personality. I don't think we're he's going, out there. We're going with the Fight Club theory. I think it's the Fight Club theory. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I because like oh I feel like they would have a body right. I don't know. I don't know how because they was killed by a color white. Mm-hmm. Right. A blue white. Yeah. I don't know what those guys do. You're saying maybe he was raised by whites out in the woods and slowly grew up to hate the rest of civilization. Honestly, maybe. Actually, this is kind of starting to fit with the like whole separation between the... Yeah, because <laughs> we hear about this from a color white. Ooh. A lot of good theories, actually. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll take... We'll put, uh, we'll put most of our money... On your Fight Club theory, we're saving a little bit off to the side on the risk of third brother being alive. Yeah. Or a third brother who's too pure for this world stuck around. I will say, too, we don't really know what all these, like, seven purposes are that Gavin's been talking about for so long. So we don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe half of them, maybe he's got half of them are Dazen purposes and half of them are Gavin purposes. Mm -hmm. So there's some mystery there. I I think, but I think you're right. These are two good options. It's definitely not something like the white color. You know, the white color is doing this because she's got some big play that she's trying to do. Definitely not that. That's a terrible theory. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But potentially a little fight club action or some like raised by wolves action. Mm-hmm. I'm very into that. Very into that. My last thing about Kip that I that I gotta say, Kip. Kip reminds me of those kids in school, who were very book smart, but just didn't really have a lot of common sense. My my example for this is I I went to high school with a kid, who would stay up until like three a.m. studying, uh, pretty much every night, and then would sleep through the test. <laughs> and like he definitely knew it when he woke up at lunch but definitely failed the exam kip is like this because his plan is to go spy on the king and his rationale is like i look like i belong here and i don't have the halo from drafting 
Yeah, Kip, that would work if you didn't, like, meet the king face-to-face with Gavin and the and Gavin be like, yeah, I'm I'm backing up this kid. Me and this kid, we're tight. The king knows what you look like and mm-hmm. that you're Gavin's buddy and you're very valuable to Gavin. Come on, guy. Yeah, I can't. Cause my guess is that, well, no, I don't know. I think you're right here. It's going to be tough. He's going to have to be sneaky. <laughs> the only thing I could think of is he's like, yeah, I'll be able to blend in. The king will never see me. Uh, what a gigantic risk. Yeah. The king won't see you in his army as you're trying to rescue one of those valuable prisoners that the king has. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Kip, stop. This this is yeah I think that this is just a uh, this is just a character growth quest for Kip, right? The objective doesn't matter because he's not going to achieve it. Either that, or there's a third level that Kip hasn't told anyone about, where he's just going to try and stab the king, Ooh. because he thinks that that's what his mom wants him to do, mm-hmm. and so he's not telling anyone this. Because it's it's actually like a suicide mission that he's going on. Or he just wants to get close to the king to kill him. Could be, could be. We also haven't heard much about much more about this little dagger. Mm-hmm. It's apparently very important. Mm-hmm. Could be could be something that's pretty interesting. Um I how much do you want to bet that that uh Kip is going to get all of his confidence by saving a hot girl. Uh, None. I'm going to say none. I'm going to say Kip gets caught and Gavin is like, has to give up Garriston because he's like, yeah, I'll let you kill Karis. And then the king's like, but I also got your kid. And Gavin's like, dang it. All right. That's a good trade. Okay, we've got okay. We've 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 celebrated some called shots, thrown thrown out some more for next episode. So stay tuned, as we wrap up this book with a whole lot more hot takes. Definitely more dumb nerds. <laughs>